Hey everyone, welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast, where we are releasing daily episodes Monday through Friday. Conversations with people that are in love with this job. We talk about the highs and the lows and everything in between, but if you're here listening and part of the National Fire Radio community and you're checking out this podcast, whether it's your first episode or you're all the way in on a hundred and something episodes by now and you're bought into it, we appreciate you. We appreciate you being part of the community and constantly coming back and listening to the podcast. Welcome. Enjoy the word. And for us to be able to do this and deliver this to you every day, we need the help of some sponsors. And these sponsors are partners where we do collaboration work and they allow us to put forth great content with great guests so that we can keep pushing this job forward. So before we hop into the episode, a quick word from some of our sponsors. Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his team have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 shields in the market. Taylor's Tins is a leader in the American Fire Service helmet front space. Not only do they manufacture helmet fronts, but they do so much more. Locker tags, key chains, CO monitor charts, medical kit charts, pump charts, banquet awards, you name it, they do it. Go over to taylorstins.com and check out what they can offer you today. They've become a longtime sponsor and good friend of the National Fire Radio podcast, and because of that, they offer a promo code at checkout. So when you go to taylorstins.com, enter NFR sent me. That is NFR sent me, and you'll get 15% off your checked out order. It works on all stock items from taylorstins.com, including quick tins, license plates, locker tags, and much, much more. Exclusions do apply. This is a company that prides themselves on quality and customer service. From the inception, from your design to out the door, it's within 48 hours. Nobody else is doing that. They can't do that. 48 hours to get your shield out the door to you to put it on your helmet and get to the next job. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com. Again, that's taylorstins.com. Check out their latest offerings and use promo code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for 15% off on your checkout. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Hey everybody, Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back on the podcast today. Today's going to be a fun one, a little bit different than a lot of different episodes where I'm talking to a guy with less than 10 years on the job, and I think we need more of these conversations. There's a, It's a young world out there. We got a lot of young guys riding the front seat, riding up in times, taking on greater accomplishments or responsibilities than guys did years ago at the, at the less than 10-year mark. And so today, absolutely honored to have Tyler Whitfield on the podcast. Tyler, what's up, brother? Hey, man. It's a pleasure to be on with you, and uh, I appreciate you having me. This is cool, man. I absolutely cold-called you out of left field on this one, and uh, <laughs> I was I follow you on social media, and I'm familiar with who you are and the area you ride in and so on. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to capture your story. You intrigued me on your social media about who you were uh, and the life you live in the Clearwater, Florida Fire Department. That's where you're riding. You've been a fireman for nine years, Six years with Clearwater, Florida. Um, yep. God, your your list goes on and on. So just newly uh, president of the Cigar City Fools, right? Yep, Cigar City Fools are basically the Tampa Bay area. Hillsborough, oh, Pinellas. I love that. Amanda. I want to hop into that because I, I know that the Fools are important to you and the mission of the Fools, so I definitely want to talk about that in a few. Uh, you instruct and you, you, you instruct and train and teach on your department. You're involved in the technical rescue uh, team for the county. 
And, I mean, the list goes on and on of things you like to do. Give me a little background, man. I love talking to guys. Six years with Clearwater, nine years in the fire service. Brother, you're still new, no? Yeah. No, it's definitely uh, the fire service, as we all know. Um, you know, you learn every day. And if you don't learn something new, you're not really doing your job on top of all the other duties you have to do. So, um, yeah, I got nine years on total. I uh, just hit nine in October. I'm with Clearwater Fire. Uh, I'm assigned to Engine 51, which is a North Greenwood neighborhood, just north of downtown. Um, that house has an engine company, uh, Heavy Rescue, which is our squad, and uh, training officer, safety officer for the uh, shift. So we're pretty busy. Um, it's the ghetto of Clearwater is where I work. Um, a lot of low income. We, just like anywhere these days, I mean, it's a very densely populated county. We, as a county, we run a lot of calls. Um, but the fires, you know, the fire duty, it comes and goes. Yeah. So, um, like you said, I'm, I'm on the technical rescue team. So I teach for the technical rescue team as well as for the department. I'm an adjunct instructor for, um, company ops and new hire orientation, stuff like that. So I'm pretty heavily involved with training. That's gotta be fun. New hire orientation. That's gotta be, that's gotta be fun. I, I spoke with somebody the other day about their position in, in being instrumental in the, you know, foundational blocks of new hires and guys, the candidates coming through the program and being able to put your stamp on that for you. Who's, who's got six years with the city of Clearwater. When new guys come in, you're able to kind of put your hands on them. Right. And, and kind of explain and and craft their beginnings with the, with the city of Clearwater. Right. Yeah. So a lot of our guys, uh, like I kind of maybe mentioned our department is the second largest in the County. So, um, St. Pete's obviously a big name department. Um, the city of Largo is pretty big in this area. You yeah. know, it's not a well-known city, but, um, but Clearwater is definitely one of the top in our area. Um, we're definitely pretty aggressive, um, as far as our fires go. So we don't get a lot of fires, but we get a decent amount. And when we do go to fires, we are pretty aggressive. So that's what take, that's what brings a lot of people in. Um, and those people may come from another department with a, with some experience. So, one of the things we try to take pride in is is showing them the Clearwater way. Nice. But as instructors, we also don't we don't think that our way is the only way. So we'll show them how we do things and you know kind of give them our nuggets for what we do at Clearwater. But we're also obviously learning as well, like we said, um, from those guys and where what they bring to the table from other departments. And I think that's something that a lot of people it's a stigma almost that well we don't care where you came from well. Everybody brings value, whether you have a day on the job or you have 20 years on the job, you bring value to the table. And that's something that I believe in wholeheartedly. And, you know, like you mentioned, riding the seat a lot now these days that it's I got to learn from everybody on my crew. You know, I, I got six years on in our department. and I'm riding with drivers that have 25 years on. Yeah. You know, so. yeah, I, I dude, let's unpack that a little bit, man. I everybody brings value to the table and the fact that you recognize that you're right so often you hear about how we want to strip guys down and build them up our way but they all bring something with them when they come through the door right whether it's prior experience in the fire service or another trade or something that has influenced their abilities right we want to exploit that don't we absolutely you know we we often we want the best candidates we can possibly get and sometimes holding them back from what they know just to prove a point that maybe we do it better or different mm. is is not allowing them to give us their full potential 
it's almost inhibiting them from showing their true colors and who they are as a fireman or as a person. Yeah. You know, I, just based on that statement alone. Is that what it was like when you walked through the door? So, so yeah. Uh, and funny enough, you brought up my social media and <laughs> you know, these things sometimes go, go one way. And I've heard the podcast before go in a direction that sure. you maybe didn't think it would, but one of the things that I had to go through when I was young is social media and how it was portrayed and people didn't know me. They could only see who I was on social media. Right. So when I first got on the department, there was a lot of stuff I had to go through um, with just being super passionate about the job. Like I'm first generation and, and like I, I, this job taught me everything. It taught me everything that I knew and now know. So, uh, you know, when I came on the job, it was teaching me things that I never had been taught before. And so I gave a lot to the fire service and I didn't know how to express that. So when I expressed it through social media, sometimes it got a, a negative impact and people were like, I don't care what you do on social media, you know, just do what we tell you to do or whatever. Mm. And I wasn't able, because I did bring some experience. Like when I got to Clearwater, I already had my state pump operator certification and stuff like that. I had my instructor, all that stuff. So like, and I came from a busier, like fire duty department up north of here but we ran a lot of fires. So I went to a lot of fires. Yeah. Maybe I didn't do the best because I was brand new. I was still learning a lot, but I did go to fires before. So it wasn't my first fire job, you know, and I feel like I had to fight through those cobwebs for the first couple of few years of my, my career yeah. at Clearwater yeah. uh, to finally have somebody tap in, you know? Do you think so. it was also you navigating the space because you were young also? I mean, regardless of the fire service, but you're also young, right? I mean, you got hired. You said you're 29 years old. So, I mean, you got hired. Your first career job was 20. Yeah, I was 20. You're a baby at so, 20. Yep. Right? I yeah, mean, so that was it, too. They, they, I was very, very impressionable. Sure. But at the same time, you know, I, I didn't I didn't want to overstep my boundaries and, you know, trying to bring something to the table because it was never, you know, openly stated that, hey, bring what you have to the table and let's, let's like, sculpt it into something better. Right. right. And that was that was something that I think would have helped me. And so that's like I said, that's what I bring to the table as an instructor a lot of times. Like, hey, when we're done teaching you something, tell us how we can improve. You know, let's learn together because now you're on the line. Like, and that's a big misconception in a lot of uh, a lot of recruit schools and new hire orientations. It's like, well, let's we're all here together. Like yeah. you're a part of our department now. You know, let's make you the best you can be and you can make me better from it. Yeah, you know? I, I think what's exciting, too, and I've been hearing this more and more, is that as departments are bringing in their candidates, their probies, and they're exposing them to the training and the culture of the fire department. I did a podcast earlier today where we talked specifically about this. And I, I think what's exciting, though, is years ago, training used to be a couple of crusty guys that didn't want to be on the line anymore. They didn't want to ride um, and they get put to the training division and they don't bring much value because they're, they're satisfied with their career and their job and, and they no longer want to go any further. And so they then stymie or stifle the abilities of what the training academy or the initiation of these new members could potentially be because they don't really have a lot to bring to the table anymore because they just don't have the desire to do it. But having a guy like yourself with, with nine years in a fire service, six with the city that you're currently working with and being able to be there, I think you have such an instant rapport with these guys coming in, that's got to be beneficial now. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because I'm, I failed to mention earlier, our department too is very, uh, we're very fortunate mm. that if we get a recommendation letter, like 
say somebody from another department. And like I said, I'm very involved in the fools and like other training organizations. And I go to conferences and I network and stuff like that via social media now. Right. Um, but I'm able to now like have some guys like in the last couple of classes, I had a guy, I'm not going to mention names or anything, but a dude that I have gone to trainings with, he's very involved with his old department, a very good fireman. And he didn't interview well. Well, our department takes a lot into what we say about these candidates if they yeah. are coming from another department. So I stuck my neck out for this guy, and I'm like, listen, I told one of the chiefs, I said, I, I will take this guy right now without even him knowing anything about Clearwater. I'll take him on my rig right now and go to a fire with him. Mm-hmm. And chief's like, all right, well, that, you know, people in the interview panel didn't didn't really care for his interview too much, but, you know, I'll talk to him and see what they say. They end up hiring the guy, and the guy's doing amazing right Aces, now. Yeah. That's you pretty know, so. that's pretty powerful, right? Like to have a department that believes in their people and believes that, you know, the foundation's there to bring in the very best. And if your own people agree that somebody belongs there, they're gonna they're gonna heed that uh advice and, and potentially act on that. That's huge. Yeah, and not all, not always does it happen that way, but uh recently it's been it's definitely been changing for the better yeah. in, in that way, you know, that we're getting these people that are quality candidates from other departments or, or new guys um, that come in. And like you said, it's not just a couple of old crusty guys out on the, the training ground. It's people with passion and people that want to be there and want to work with these people. And like you said, I've got six years here. I've got another 20 years to go. That's exciting. So like I, I'll be with these people for the rest of my career and yeah. probably theirs. That's awesome. You know, so, so what guy, I mean, you know, all the excitement, 29 years old, you started at the age of 20. I mean, you were a baby when you started. What got you in the door? Meaning, where did the love for the fire service, was this accidental or, or did you want to be a fireman from the get? So, cliche enough, uh, when I was a kid, I always, my parents joked with me. Um, I used to always get mad. We used to have to drive by the firehouse that was down the road from my house when I was yeah. a kid. And uh, we used to pass by. And then my old elementary school, when I was a kid, uh, he or I, I would go by the firehouse all the time because it was right next to my elementary school. So uh, funny side note, when I got hired at Clearwater, one of the guys that was a lieutenant, um, he's retired now, um, but he ended up going up to dis- district chief. He looked familiar to me. <laughs> and I was like, why? Why do you look familiar? I said, do I know you from somewhere? He's like, no, he's like, I've been at Clearwater for like, you know, 18, 19 years now. He's like, but. I said, you work anywhere before? He goes, yeah, Oldsmar. Well, that's the city I grew up in. Yeah. In Dallas County. He goes, I used to work there. I said, I recognize you from when I was a kid. Wow. And he's like, I hate you already. But yeah, no, it, that's that's where it started. It's just the love for, you know, the fire apparatus and whatever, just like any little kid. Were you welcomed um, in, like when you were a kid and you came by the firehouse? I mean, that guy that you recognized, was that somebody that was like, I don't want to say instrumental, but, you know, but like, was that somebody that you recognized and like, man, I'd love to be like that guy. Like, th- no, you know? not necessarily. Okay. No, not necessarily. I just, I just would pass through you okay. know, on field trips or just could stop in. Got it. Um, there was nobody really, honestly, in the fire service uh, that I knew. I didn't know anybody okay. um, that got me into it or anything. I just, it was always something in the back of my mind. And I went to college for a little bit and I was like, this is definitely not for me. Yeah. So I ended up getting into the fire service and I've never looked back since. That's awesome. I, that's that's fun, man. And to be all in like you are, right? So, like, when you got – so then you're working in a couple smaller places. You end up at Clearwater because that's where you wanted to be. When did you know – like, what was that feeling when you were like, this is it? 
I, I belong here. I know I belong here. Like at what, at what part did it take you a little bit or were you all in from the get? So I was, I was pretty all in from the beginning. Mm. Um, I, I, when I went through fire school, I was young, obviously. Um, when I got hired on part-time up in Citrus County, um, there's a lot of guys there that we went to a lot of fires. Like it was a BLS, like first responder department. Um, it was paid a couple of paid guys and a couple of part-time guys and whatever. And, um, we went to a lot of calls, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, those guys were very, very, very traditional. Okay. Like they, you better be the first one up. You better be the last one to sleep. Mm. You better be making coffee. If you hear the chief's truck pulling, you better have a pot of coffee ready for them. Like they, they were so like powerful with that message of like the tradition of the fire service that a lot of us haven't experienced. And like, even going to Clearwater, a very traditional old department, you know, I go there and it's like, man, citrus was, it instilled some of those old school mentalities into me from a young age that just aren't taught in the fire service anymore. And I'm very thankful for that because I, I, I was taught a lot how to make coffee. I didn't know how to make coffee. It's very simple, but I know how to make coffee. I didn't know how to cook a lot of stuff. Those guys taught me how to cook. Now they were super hard on me. I thought some days that they didn't care if I ever came back. Yeah. But that taught me that they, but when we went to a fire, we went to a call, they cared for me. So that taught me that they're beating me up to make me stronger, to Mm. make me better. And uh, so I just felt from that point on, I was like, I'm, I, I owe the fire service a lot because the fire service did a lot for me from a young, young age. What do you, you you said something very interesting to me, which I I think is pretty wild, right? You just alluded to it and you said it even in our pre, uh, when we were chatting before we hit the record button, you said, yeah, the fire service taught me how to make coffee, taught me how to cook, taught me how to do laundry. These are things that you'd never had to do before prior to getting hired. And then they put you through the paces of learning these different things that not only are important on the job, but also in life, right? So I'm very curious about drawing a a line between that and say what people gripe about today where the newer generation doesn't know how to run a chainsaw, start the lawnmower, how to put, uh, how to change your spark plugs, simple, simple things that I take for granted because I was taught that growing up. But the exposure to that more and more is not what it used to be. And so do you sympathize with that since like you kind of had the same, but it was different, but kind of the same. No, you, you only know what you know if you've done it and been taught, right? Absolutely. So, so to just preface that, cause it sounds real bad that I never did that before. So I was fortunate. My dad worked full time. My mom worked full time, but my mom ran uh, home daycare. Yeah. So when I grew up, my mom was home all day long. Of course. All night. Yeah. So she cooked, cleaned, like that was her thing. And there's so nothing like, there's nothing, no defense so. needed there. I get that. Yeah. So, so it's funny, like some of those things I just needed that I took for granted that I didn't think I needed to know until I need, until I needed until to know. I needed to know. So those people taking me under their wing and beating me up over it, but yeah. teaching me how to do it. Yes. That meant a lot to me. Yes. So when I see people getting beat up for not knowing how to change a spark plug, it might not be because they were careless or lazy or anything. That's right. It just may be that they just, their life, fortunately, as a kid, you know, I think kids should learn from a young age, but at the same time, it's like they had a good childhood, I'm sure. And maybe they didn't, but I do sympathize with those people. And I do take them under my wing and say, listen, like, it's fine. If you don't know how to change it, tell me because I respect. Well, that's it. You don't know. Mm -hmm. 
much more than you saying, yeah, yeah, I know, and then you mess it up. Yeah, and I think the important thing, too, is how we address it, meaning if they do tell you if they're vulnerable enough and open themselves up enough to say, like, hey, I've never done this before. Can you help me? Can you show me? It's the correct response of instilling in them the belief that coming to you for help and advice, you're not going to shut them off, that you're going to be able to help and support them so that they know that the next thing they don't know, they can come back and ask again. And yeah, I mean, that's so important. And I was just thinking too, like I was even drawing the parallel between like guys don't know how to make coffee unless you can make it from grinds in a pot with a filter. Everybody uses K cups, right? Like, so like even (laughs) people that know how to make coffee, well, yeah, we've, technology has advanced just like it has for our hand equipment, right? And the equipment we run on the fire apparatus and how we, how we operate, even the fire engine, things evolve with technology. So as we take some of the process out of it, yeah, I can make coffee, but it's a K cup versus can you make a pot of coffee in a traditional coffee maker? It's night and day difference. Yeah. Absolutely. That's wild, man. I love that. That's a good conversation. I, I like that a lot. So talk to me a little bit about where you are today. So you're up at Engine 51, which is a, a busy house, right? You yeah, said that you we're f- pretty busy. Yeah, you said that you find yourself um, either sitting up or in the chauffeur's seat more than riding backwards these days. Yeah, so uh, like I said earlier to you, I've been at this house for a little over five years. Um, it and I, Honestly, I've been at that house. We get beat up at night. It's a night house. Yeah. Like I, said, like I said, it's in the ghetto. We run decent. We can be busy during the day too, but most of the time we're okay during the day. And then at night we'll have three to five after midnight is like average for us. Mm-hmm. So it's busy and nobody likes it. Well, when I got there, like I said, I went through some adversity when I first got to that department, like with just social media and just, you know, lack of perception basically of what mm-hmm. they thought I was. Gotcha. So when I got to 51, those guys were like, this is a grown man's firehouse. They're like, we don't need you to do our dishes. We don't need you to do our laundry. We don't need you to make our coffee. We don't need you to do this. We're grown men. We can do our own shit around here. They said, but we want you to do your job. Nice. And I was like, all right, cool. So that resonated with me, obviously, because I'm like, well, these guys aren't trying to just leave their plates out to see if I'm going to pass the test of putting them away. Right. You know, like this is they want me to be a good fireman. Yeah. And from that point forward, I, I had a lot of respect for all those guys. And most of those guys are still at that firehouse after this many years and have been for a long time and they wouldn't leave it for anything. Mm. And, you know, I went through a bunch of different lieutenants because the lieutenants they'll come through and then they'll, they'll leave to go onto other positions and most of them better, you know, or retire. Um, and that's just is what it is, but I've learned a lot from all those lieutenants. And now, like I said, like you alluded to, and I said earlier, I'm an acting lieutenant now. So, uh, I ride up at that house a lot, uh, cause my current lieutenant's actually out on a, paternity leave he mm-hmm. his wife had a baby so he's out for that so i'm filling in the seat there or i drive our heavy rescue and i drive both of our truck companies um got it so i'm, I'm out a lot yeah you know, riding up. yeah well what is i mean that's six years right i mean you know that's uh you're still i gotta think you're still learning the job right i mean we're always learning obviously right i mean all of us but but I'm saying, like, you're still learning the ins and outs. You're, you're. Um, I'm sure there's days that are frustrating. Other days are successes, right? Like, talk to me a little bit about. You alluded to it earlier with me, and having that conversation to talking about being that young company officer or young chauffeur or acting officer, or just with the few years that you have. And I, I'm not diminishing your years. I mean, obviously, I'm no. not. You know. But just it's a little bit different of a mindset, and I'm wondering from your point of view, like what that all looks like. 
Yeah, so um, I'm glad you asked because a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people ask me. They'll come to me in the department, you know, and they'll say, "Hey, like, how have you? Do you have any tips for me?" Yeah. In regards to that, right? So as I stated, I've been a tailboard firefighter since the beginning of my career. I've been lucky enough. Uh, before I came to Clearwater, we do have rescues. We don't transport. We do have rescues, like ambulance style rescues. I was never really up until maybe the last like few months of my probation. I, I saw a rescue a few times, but I've really never rode rescue. Mm. Um, I rode on an ALS engine company tailboard, um, because our house doesn't have a rescue. Yeah. So that's one nice thing about it. So I learned that other aspect of like either engine work, but even just fire alarms, elevator rescues, stuff like that. Um, I then put myself in a position, like I said, I had my driver operator before I got to Clearwater. So as soon as I was eligible to be an acting driver, go through that task book and that process, I put myself through it. Um, And now I will say that with feeling proficient as a tailboard, the most important thing throughout my career so far has been making sure I've been self-accountable to where I'm comfortable and proficient. I don't want to use the word comfortable. That's a bad word. Uh, But I I'm proficient at the job that I'm currently in before yeah. I move on to the next one. And one of the things that I tell people when they ask about being a company officer or an acting company officer, my promotional test is in this is actually in a month and a half. So hopefully soon I'll be actually Good. get the nod officially, but, but yeah, uh, they, they asked me, they're like, what, what advice can you give? And I'm like, well, when you can watch somebody else do a different job, while you're doing what you need to do as a company officer, evaluate what they're doing when they're doing it and not feel a need to interject or micromanage unless you have to, that's when you are ready to be a company officer. Mm. It's, it's like tapping, tapping your head and rubbing your belly is the best analogy I can give because you have to be able to do your job while watching all the other stuff unfold. The driver do his job, the tailboard stretching line. You doing a 360 updating command or the incoming DC of fire condition or what mode of attack you're given. And that's where you have to do all that simultaneously. Yeah. And so if you can't efficiently do that or comfortably do that, and I use the word comfortable lightly, then you might not be ready. And, you know, and that I think through showing proficiency in the other um, positions prior to sitting in that seat, helped me tremendously. Um, the I, biggest thing is people's leadership and whatever. Well, leadership doesn't come from a book. Leadership doesn't come from anything. It comes from your passion and your willingness to learn the job. Yeah. You know, I'm did sure you, you can did you always that. Did you always feel that way? Or was this something that you've learned over your time and watching others in front of you and so on? I mean, you know, that's pretty deep for... You know, I, I mean, I'm 46 years old and I'm starting to really hammer things out like that. And I think I wrote it down. It said, be proficient in the job I'm in before moving on, right? Like proficiency matters. And, you know, maybe sometimes we're, we're moving up too quick before we, I don't want to say master, but before we are confident and uh, unconditionally uh, happy with the, the your current position, right? Like, I don't know. That's pretty deep, man. And I, I think it's to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Ahead. No, I, I thought a lot about it. Yeah. Please and talk about honest, some more. You know, yeah. Because um, to be able to do your job and to evaluate somebody else subconsciously mm. is is also kind of I, I have a quote and I'll send it to you later. Please. I, I don't have it up right now, but it 
it basically is to be able to consciously make a decision while evaluating the rest of the fire scene subconsciously. And that comes from the proficiency and that comes from experience and that comes from training. And it comes from all these different little parts of the fire service that people don't indulge in throughout their career. And that was one thing that I was taught a long time ago when I first started was like always learn something. Like we said, we said it many times, but also just be a sponge. Like if somebody's going to give you, say you have a year on and somebody's going to give you some leadership advice, don't say, Oh, I don't need that because I'm not a leader yet. Mm. Or don't say, Oh, somebody's going to teach me how to pump this engine. Well, I only have a year on or six months on. I don't need to learn how to do this. Yeah. You're not learning how to do it. You're getting a nugget for when you do learn, you have a little bit of exposure to it before you're there. Yeah. It matters. So all those little things add up yeah. and will fill that bucket that eventually you'll need for whatever position you get into. Yeah. And that's to help me tremendously in going into this role um, as a company officer and being so young, you know, I'm working with department in a department that we do have a lot of senior guys and, you know, I may be a Lieutenant for somebody that's got 20 years on and that just through be, training yeah. and through that, they've, you know, they trust what I have to say. So, well, that's it. I mean, you still got to carry yourself, right? So it's like, you know, you can better yourself and promote yourself through training and, and to do more for yourself to better your position. But ultimately you got to be confident and comfortable in your abilities and skills and that will carry over so that if you're riding up and you got six years and you got a 20 year man riding your back step, he's got to have confidence regardless of the age or, or years of experience. He's got to have confidence or conf, he's got to have confidence in the guy riding that front seat for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And a big thing too is, is uh, you know, include those people in your decision-making prior to the call happening. Right. Mm. Like if I go to a firehouse in the morning like we have, we have a very, very geographically diverse area in Clearwater. Um, we, we have one of the most densely populated high rise communities in Clearwater beach. Um, and then we have the trailer park capital of Pinellas County basically and the East side of town. So like when we go to these places or when I go to these different firehouses, there's absolutely, like I said, I've been assigned to the same engine company for five, a little over five years. Yeah. Now I drive our tiller front and back and I drive our tower truck on the other side of town. So I have exposure to those different areas, you know, in the driving those units. So sure. I have a little exposure as to how the tactics work or the, you know, expectations of those areas and what's needed. But I'll take that driver that's got 20 years and just this little thing like of saying, Hey man, you know, I'm young. I don't, I'm not here all the time. If there's a building or something we're going to, or if there's a building, one building, that you can think of that will help me take me to it and, or tell me about it. And if that call comes in at that building, I'll have a little bit more comfortability and confidence going to it. Sure. And that includes them. It gives them a little bit of power of like, all right, well, I'm going to teach him something today. It gives them, them that little bit of empowerment that goes a long way for them that they may not have gotten in a while. And then, you know, it creates a better rapport with your crew, you know, and then you get training out of it. 100%. So it's a, it's a Killing three birds with one stone right there. And it just, it gives that little bit more confidence, you know, crew continuity. Yeah. And, you know. Well, I love it. And you're taking that initiative, which is super important, right? Like, we want people to take initiative. We need people to ask questions and take that initiative. And I think that's great, man, because what you're doing is you're involving the whole in your own yep. learning process. I, I absolutely love that. It's infectious. I know it is. I've seen it and I've done it. It's great. 
Yeah, yep. that's cool. Where did the love for training come from? Because not everybody's ate up with training. Not everybody wants to be on a, in a fool's group, let alone the president. Not everybody wants to be involved in the proby class and being able to help mold and shape the future. Like, where did your passion for training come from? And then obviously through all your tech stuff, you like to further your training too. So like, where did all that come from? So like I, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, the fire service did a lot for me. So I feel like I owe it a lot. And I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say, um, but you know, as well as anybody, and you talk to many, many people, like we can't, our department is our department, even though we have a lot of, you know, young, eager guys and a lot of older, eager guys, you can't teach everybody and everybody doesn't want to learn. So I, I got frustrated. Actually, there was a point in time where I was kind of frustrated Mm. because everybody didn't have the same passion I did. That's right. right. So I'd be at my own department. I take very great pride. And I know one of the guys you interviewed on one of your podcasts the other day was like, you know what? Your department better be your favorite fire department, the best fire department to work for in the country. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And every day I go to work, I, I take that pride with me. Like I love being a clear water fireman and I don't want to be anything else, but that doesn't mean that that's the only place that I get that satisfaction or have that drive. Right. Right. So I got frustrated for a while. I was like, man, like not everybody wants to do this. Not everybody wants to train. Not everybody wants to go to conferences. So I started going on my own. I would go to every fire conference, like that possibly was known to man. Like I would just figure out a class to go to and I'd go to it because Mm. I was around like-minded people that had the same drive and passion as me. Yeah. So that's where I started networking and that's how I got involved in the fools. And that's how, you know, I had the pride and passion to, to take the, my career to the next level and be an instructor. Um, and one of the things that I actually, in the curriculum, um, in the class that we're teaching up at Metro Atlanta fire conference, um, it, I took a bunch of stuff and I'm not too shameful to say it, that I've taken a lot of stuff from different classes that I've taken and I've just made it into one. And, sure. uh, because like, we go to these classes and you'll, you'll get taught something and no, no discounting FDMY, but like they run five, six man rigs That's right. and they vent different roofs than I vent in Clearwater. Well, when they're teaching us something, I absolutely will take every skill and take it to heart. Um, but that doesn't always have con- complete transparency to, for me to take back to Clearwater. So what I like to do with the class that I wrote, I did skill, skill wise, it's very black and white. But we interview the participants of the class, ask them the background, kind of like the interview we did earlier, like, where do you come from? Yep. Who does search? Who does stretches? You know, who does the truck work and who does the engine work really of your department? And if they say, well, the engine does it, well, we teach them engine company searching techniques off mm-hmm. a hose line or sure. how to branch off and keep a fire in check and, you know, search a room like a interior VES kind of thing. Like we cater it and the instructors that i have with me are very like-minded have the same passion i do um and they come from different backgrounds like where i started was a two-man engine company well i ran a three-man engine company now and a four-man truck well some departments don't even have two guys on their truck and they're doing searches so like i feel like the the just throughout the experience in my fire service career it's we do have a little bit of each part like you search off an engine search off a rescue search off a truck it doesn't matter. We'll cater to your thing. And I, I think that's what drives me is to not just teach the Clearwater way, sure, but just teach that individual person, no matter where you come from, where you ride, the badge on your shirt. 
I want to teach you something and how to be a better fireman. Oh, I love that. And if they take one thing out of it, that that's a win for me. Like, so, so let me, yeah, let me ask you this. Cause I wrote this down. Cause I wanted to, I just wanted to circle back to this to a minute or two ago when you talked about diving in for training and pushing yourself to go to conferences alone and finding your own path because you were looking for more. You were looking for like-minded people. You're looking for more training to better yourself. Did you do it with the intent to better yourself or did you do it with the intent to be able to then package it and bring it back to expose people to more? Like I always think we do it for ourselves first and then, and then it morphs into like, well, I'm bettering myself. Now I want to try to better or, or at least bring forth something a little bit different or a conversation to the other guys that aren't proceeding uh, like I am in finding more. So was it was the initial push to educate yourself or was it with the grander scale of I know I could bring this back and maybe I can create uh, a culture that supports what I'm looking to do? So uh, both. Cool. Um, I think what, what selfishly or initially gets us into going yes. to these trainings is for ourselves. Yes. Right. Yep. And then yep. when yep. we see this, we're like, man, I think that, you know, so-and-so at my department could benefit from this. So write it down, whatever, and teach that to them when you get back to the station. And like you said, the shit's contagious. Like if you, you go into a firehouse that's got three lazy people in it and you get one guy's buy-in and you're out there doing something, they're going to trickle out because they're going to want to give their two cents. That guy with 20 years is going to get off the couch and come out there. He's he probably will, whether it's for five minutes or an hour, it doesn't matter. If you get him up off the couch to come out there and put his two cents in, that's a win. It's fun. Even if you don't care what he has to say, like yep. he, let him come out because that's a win. And now he's like, you know what? He feels better probably for himself yeah. for that day. Cause he's like, I did something I don't normally do is get up off the couch and go out there and tell somebody something. So it kind of evolved into that of what you said, bringing it back and then also getting buy-in because uh, I'm, I wrote about ADHD, so I got off on a tangent earlier. No, you're good. You're good. It's perfect. Actually, it does. It sparks other people. And our department culture of training and everything like that, like people people love training in our department now. It's great. You know, they there's been more involvement in training and extracurricular classes. And uh, we just had a guy from our department go through Florida Smoke Divers. He, he made mm. it to, like, the second to last day. But, like, we have people like that in our department now. And, like, that have a passion for training and a passion for being a better fireman. And we don't go to a lot of fires, like I said earlier. So my opinion is like the low frequency calls should be the ones we train on the most. You know, we yeah, train like on medical that. stuff all the time where we run medical calls. So something we do, you know, 10% of the time should be what we train on 90% of the time. And then the stuff we do 90% of the time, we should do 10% of the time because we're running those calls every day. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it makes, so, it makes sense. Right. Yeah, you're honing your skills because I had people say that to me, you know, why are you training on fire all the time when we run 90% EMS calls? Well, because we run 90% EMS calls. If you run 90% EMS calls, you should be good. You at better EMS be calls. proficient. Yeah. You better be proficient, <laughs> right? Yeah. And there is a difference between proficiency and perfection. That's right. And I'm not asking for perfection. I'm asking for proficiency. You should be very proficient on a medical call. I mean, you should be close to perfection because you're know, dealing with somebody's life, both in fire and EMS, but you know, it just, that is what really drove me too, is because of that. We, we don't run a lot of fires. So when we do go to a fire, who wants to look like a jackass on the fire ground? Nobody. Yeah, you're right. So when I go to a fire, I don't want to look like a jackass. 
and I don't want the people around me or on my crew to look like a jackass. So as a company officer, I'm going to best prepare my people in a short amount of time. Cause if I float into a new firehouse or whatever, even work overtime on a different shift, you know, we, it is what it is. We have to make the best call we can in a very short amount of time. So I, I think it's a lot of fun too, right? For a department that has people that are dialed into the job and people are seeking external training opportunities and so on. They want to, there's a culture of bettering themselves. And when guys want to better themselves, it does nothing but reflect highly on the department they come from because they bring all that skill set and knowledge that they've learned back to the table to where they ride. And yep. I, I just think that that is such a powerful idea. And I think you mentioned buy-in. I agree with you a hundred percent, man. If, if more than one guy, if one guy goes and pushes himself to learn something different from somewhere else and brings it back and has the ability and courage to share it with others without the repercussion of, you know, being scoffed at or guys down talking it or, or talking back to him like you ridiculous that you do that on your own time and all that bullshit that goes on. Right. Yeah. But if you just allow for that individual that seeked out something more to bring it back and talk about it. It does become infectious, brother. I agree with you 100%, man. And the buy-in yep. on that is so powerful. Is that what kind of led you to the fools then? Like, how did you find your way to the fools? Because, I mean, now you find yourself as the president, which is, uh, that's a lot of work. We'll start there. But, like, what's the foundation with the fools? How did you find yourself finding them? So, so yeah, just like I said, networking and uh, mm. meeting people. Um, I was one of the original, I think 10 or so members. Oh, were you? Okay, cool. Of awesome. that chapter. Um, and I kind of, it, originally it was supposed to be just Hillsborough County fire department. Um, and they expanded to Tampa and then I was the only one from Pinellas. Um, and now we have a, a large majority of Pinellas County fire guys nice. that are members. Um, and I basically came in it just with the same mindset. It's just that I want to be around like-minded people. I wanted to you know, network with people that had the same passion and drive and goals. And so I got involved with them just on a, you know, just a, basically a civilian level, if you will, just showing up to classes. Sure. And then, uh, they had an e-board spot that was basically like a, basically like a li liaison between mm -hmm. Pinellas County and Hillsborough County. And then, um, I moved up to, as the secretary a couple of years ago, um, and then Hillsborough County, without getting into their politics, they had some issues with the e-board and stuff. And so they just were like, we're going to kind of give it up. We want to give it to one of you guys. And it was me and another guy from St. Pete Fire that were on the e-board from Pinellas. And he's actually probably my best friend. He was the best man at my wedding. Nice. Uh, and he's actually a promoted officer. And he's, he's young, too. He's, he just turned 30. And he's a company officer in the city of St. Pete, which is a pretty big, uh, you know, mm -hmm achievement there yeah so uh we we're very like-minded so he's the vice president i'm the president and we have another guy that's super young uh he's only got a couple years on from saint pete that's the secretary but that dude is like he's like a yoda uh with <laughs> the fire service stuff he's just like me when i was younger like that dude is super passionate like he it's cool eats breathes and sleeps fire yeah so got into that and now now i took it over so we're bringing it back to to the roots of the fools and firemen teaching firemen that's you know, exciting. That's, it's got to be they, fun. Yeah, yeah did, no, that's awesome. Did the fools, when you found them and, and were seeking, as you said, selfishly in the beginning, and we all do it, right, because we're trying to better ourselves first, 
when you found it, were you like, man, this is, this is something I'm looking for. Like, did it, did it really resonate with you from the get? Yeah. So uh, like I said, I, my, my passion was just wanting to like pass that passion on. Yeah. Like I like seeing people love that job. Like I said, that job has done a lot for me. So me seeing people enjoy the job, just like I do on a daily basis, that gives me great pride and joy. So going to these conferences and teaching at the fools and seeing these like-minded firemen that, that drove me. And so it still does drive me. And, uh, you know, that was really one of the bigger things that, um, was the opportunity to do that and to see that, you know, so selfishly, it was, it was a great opportunity. Um, but it does allow me to, to kind of pass on that knowledge and not necessarily knowledge, but just the passion. Yeah. Cause I don't know everything nor does anybody that I know know everything about the fire service and it's always changing. And, and look at the and look yeah. at the friendships and the camaraderie and the and how these guys rub how you guys rub off on each other, right? Like yep, meaning absolutely. like you know their love and passion for it and in a different point of view or a different take or a different style or method of of whatever can rub off because of that camaraderie and brotherhood that you've created through an organization like that. I mean it's so powerful. It really is. It is. And one person, you know, a lot of people get into the, uh, the whole of like, I have to, I have to try to pass this on to a lot of people. Mm. I got to pass this on to my whole department. Right. That's not true. Get, get two or three solid dudes in your circle or two or three guys that you can absolutely, anything you learn, you can offload onto these guys. And then they find two or three guys each. Right. Now you, now you've expanded that two person, three person group to now like 10. Yeah. And it, you, you and you keep doing that and you keep empowering those people and telling those people, hey, go pass on this knowledge. And it kind of sounds a little messed up, like you're trying to like brainwash these people into like seeding things. But that's how the fire service is. Yeah, for and, sure. You know, you, you start with a couple of people because it can be very overwhelming to try to try to influence or try to, you know, share knowledge or teach a bunch of people. Teach a couple, start with a couple and then broaden your horizons to more. Like I would never have been able to teach more than, you know, two, three people unless I started with two or three people or 10 people or more unless I started with two or three and it just expanded over time to be able to feel comfortable teaching more people, you know, we're teaching this class and we taught it last year and it was definitely eye opening. We're like, wow, this is crazy. Like we, we work at pretty big departments and we're teaching people that aren't from the same style of department. And it was very overwhelming, yeah. you know, to start, this was a couple of years ago when we first started teaching and it's like, it was eye opening because even these people coming from these smaller departments, they're looking at you like, like you do know everything. And that's a very scary thing, especially being young and, you know, not having a ton of time in the fire service. Like these people are asking questions that maybe you don't know the answer to, Yeah, you know, what do you do then? You know, you're like, well, do you beat yourself up and say, well, should I have learned this by now? Or, you know, should I not? No, you just say, hey, I don't know this. Let, let's work together now. You asked a good question. Let's figure it out together. Have, you always, that, been, have you always been like that? Personality-wise? Yeah. No, definitely not. That that came just through the fire service. Because like I said, I got I wasn't vulnerable enough or open enough to admit that I didn't know something. I got gotcha. you. So that I, definitely... It, it is very hard to... Um put yourself out there in a way where you open yourself up for criticism or, um, or scrutiny, right? Like it just, mm -hmm. it becomes very, very challenging. So 
I can understand that completely, for sure. Most of us, most of us came into the came into the firehouse that way, no, you know, being guarded and not letting our guard down, letting you know, and, and not letting people in on what we didn't know. We didn't yeah. ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So what's next for you, man? I mean, you know, you got the world in front of you. I mean, you're, you're riding up. You said there's potential that that might become permanent, uh, soon, right? You did. I did hear you say that correctly, right? Yeah. So our, uh, our promotional exam is coming up in early April. Good. So, uh, I'm eligible to take it. Okay. So, um, I'll be taking that and hopefully getting the nod soon after the only downfall to that is I have to switch shifts, but that's, that's all right. <laughs> well, I've worked up pretty much all the shifts on overtime yeah. or in some capacity or teaching or whatever. So it yeah. doesn't matter. But. Well, we've been talking about it a lot lately on the show about being uncomfortable and making yourself uncomfortable because that's where you continue to learn and do better. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, so that's good, man. Change is sometimes good when it's even not wanted. Um, it can be good though, too. So that's got to be exciting. Talk to me a little bit about too the the love for the tech stuff. Um, do you find like do your guys that ride the the squad the heavy rescue that's in uh, in your quarters are they detailed to the heavy rescue because they're disciplined in 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 tech and so on or is that an open enrollment? Yeah, so uh, the squad in our department heavy rescue is a very I hate to even admit it there it's a two man unit. Oh wow! And I talk okay. I talk to it I talk about it that it's like a toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because like on a technical rescue call or an extrication upgrade, right. Our East side truck company is a four man truck, but at least two of them have to be technical rescue technicians. Got it. Most okay. of, most of the time there's more on there, but it has to be at least two. There has to be four tech rescue technicians per shift on each shift. And two of them are assigned to the squad. It's a driver operator, promoted driver operator, and a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of a unit that's unique because to to be able to even get on it, up until maybe I'd say a year, year and a half ago, uh, you really didn't you weren't allowed to float in to be on the engine to learn the squad. Like you didn't you had to be like there and you had to be like accepted by the members of the squad to be able to learn it. Because you have to be an acting driver, you have to be a technical rescue technician or tech rescue team member and or a lieutenant to even be able to drive it right? or be on it. So, like, it's very unique. In the process to go through with it, I was actually the first one in the department and I think ever uh, to have to go through a testing process to drive it. So, uh, being there, I would always be out there fucking with stuff and making the driver angry, you know, late at night. Sure. And like I said earlier, you go out there and you mess around enough, you'll get that 20 year guy to come out. And teach <laughs> that's you something, right. right. It's awesome. So the guy that's driving on my shift, super good dude, really good tech guy and driver for that matter. He was that guy. He's just the old crusty dude drives a squad. That's what he does, you know? And, uh, I would be out there messing with his ropes, messing with whatever. And finally he would come out every other shift. He'd come out and he'd be like, why are you doing this right now? But let me show you how to do it. Yeah, I love that. All right, why are you doing this right now? Let me show you how to do it. So eventually it turned into, hey, why don't you, you're an acting engine driver. He's like, you want to do your squad task book? So I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. So I kind of started learning that and, you know, diving more into the tech rescue realm of things. And, uh, you know, obviously I was going through the tech classes at that time because I wouldn't have been able to even dabble in it unless I did. Um, And now I, 
I went through the process. It took me, you know, a few months to do the task book. I'd been going over stuff on that rig for a year and a half before sure. I even started it. Um, and so now I drive it and I ride up on it as well. Cause I'm tech, um, tech Lieutenant as well. Mm -hmm. So, awesome. uh, no, I, I enjoy it a lot. I think it's really cool because it's one of those things, like I said, it's a very low frequency thing that can make you look like a jackass. Like you, you know what I mean? And it's very high life hazard stuff. Like whether it be, you know, rope rescue or confined space or trench, like whoever's in that predicament that you're going to that call for, like, they need you to know what you're doing when you get there. Yeah. So like, that's something that I take a lot of pride in too, because like we're firemen, we, we want to be the guy to go to those calls. Most people. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent. Want to be that guy. Absolutely. Like, somebody one time got in an argument with me and this was a long while back. And they're like, I don't, if, if a train flips over and upside down in a ditch at 2 AM, I'm not that guy. And I was like, well, I want to be that guy. Yeah. You yeah. know? And that was my response. And it's like, just kind of to attest to how I feel about it. Like I want to not be the guy that has my hands in my pocket. I'm like, well, I have no idea what to do right now. Like I want to at least have some sort of skill that's going to bring something to the table on that call. You're a doer. You know, Cause somebody, somebody needs to get out of a bad spot and you know, so. I, listen, man, yeah, no, shit happens. I want to be there when it happens. Like I, I, get, I don't want bad things to happen. I don't Absolutely. want that to happen but if it does i'd like to be there because i think i could bring something to the table right and i think that's really the conversation and so yeah man who who wouldn't want to be there who wouldn't want to go yeah. to that fire who would you know and and so i mean you know give me the opportunity that's why we train that's why we you know that's why we do everything we can to better our own position because that day when we do get called we want to be there yeah yeah absolutely so what's next for you man that's it, man. I think the uh, in regards to the, yeah. the promotional process, that's I've been fun. studying hard for that right now. Good. So that's that's kind of taking a lot of my time. Okay. Uh, you know, within the job itself, um, I mentioned to you earlier. I I just got, I actually just got the nod to start being an adjunct instructor for the county tech rescue team. Very cool. Um, I just got accepted not too long ago. Um, so actually, like a week ago. <laughs> so well, congratulations. Uh, first, that's fantastic. We're, we're onboarding uh, about a dozen, I think, new members to the county team from different departments. Um, and March 6th to the 10th is confined space school for the county team. And uh, I'm one of the adjuncts for that. So Good. I'm pretty stoked. Well, that's starts. cool, man. Well, like I said, yeah. I think you got a, a very, very big career ahead of you as well. And, um, you know, you got plenty of years left. And I think you know, just from what I know of you and, and talking with you today, man, I know that, uh, you got a lot of good things to come for you and, uh, that's exciting, man. I wish you just an incredible career and I truly appreciate you just hanging today and bullshit with me for a little while, man. It was yeah. a lot of fun. No, I appreciate it. And, uh, if I could just give a few, uh, shout outs to a couple people, do it, man. Uh, some people that mentored me and, yeah, you know, absolutely. me. Obviously, my uh, my wife that puts up with a lot of my shit. Um, <laughs> you know, she's a fire she's a firefighter too. She's actually on duty right now. She works at a beach department on a truck okay. company. So nice. She jokes that she's on a truck more than I am, but I won't hold that against That's her. That's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, her obviously supporting me. Uh, Rob Ramirez from Margate. Yep. Guy I look up to a lot. Basil, done a lot for me. Um, just a couple guys that I really look up to in the fire service. Um, as well as everybody else in my department that they know who they are, but yeah. those guys definitely do a lot for me and I, I look up to them a lot 
Oh, they are. They those are those are. Uh, I don't know your wife, but uh, I'm looking forward to meeting her for sure. But yeah, I know those two other guys that you mentioned. Uh, they're doing great things for the fire service, man. And so those absolutely. are good mentors and friends to have. And I'm sure there's a lot of other guys that help shape and mold your career and uh, and and continue to do so. So and then you know you're starting to do the same because you're getting your hands on people, whether it's as an adjunct professor now for the tech school or working with the new class of guys that are coming through Clearwater. It's nice for guys like you to get your hands on them because you're allowed to mold and craft and shape them from your own experiences and knowledge. And I think that that's awesome. And, and when we talk about legacy and we talk about what the job looks like when you're ready to walk away from it, being able to put your stamp on it, it matters, man. And uh, I, I definitely think you're doing that. And uh, you got a, many years ahead to keep doing it. So. Fantastic, brother. You know, Tyler, thank you, brother. Thanks for thanks for hanging out today and, and chatting, man. Appreciate you. Absolutely. I appreciate having me on. Oh, of course. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. So hang right here. I'm just going to sign off the show, and then I'm going to come right back to you, okay? Sounds good. Awesome. Everybody, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Tyler Whitfield, Clearwater, Florida, young up-and-coming guy that's got so much passion and love to share for the job, man. What a great experience and conversation today with him. Take this conversation, take it back to your firehouse and talk about it because when we're talking about the job, we are making the job better. Thanks for tuning in. And if you have anything that you want to share with us, email us, podcast at nationalfireradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thoughts, ideas, people, you name it, send it. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you at the next one. Jeremy. National Fire Radio.